Psalm 61, and we're just going to read the first four verses. David, in writing this psalm, says, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for this evening, for the opportunity and privilege it is to be here. Pray that you'd speak to each heart, Lord. Use your word as a balm in our hearts and minds to give us comfort and encouragement and strength. Father, help us tonight to learn from you the things which would bring you the most glory and draw us closest to thee. Father, we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. I had every intention tonight to preach a sort of a Christmas-themed message. In fact, I even have one in my Bible that I had picked out and intended to preach tonight. But if I can just be honest with you this evening, uh, the past few days I felt overwhelmed. Uh, it's been spiritual battle after spiritual battle. I don't know if it's just indicative of the season, maybe it's the weather, maybe it's the sickness, or maybe it's just the fact that the devil don't like to let up on God's people. But, I, you know, I found myself overwhelmed and and fighting, and, you know, that feeling when you're just trying to tread water, keep from uh, your head sinking below it. And in the midst of that, I, you know, I'd, I'd open my Bible and, and read and pray, and, I, you know, I'd wait for God to say something to me, and I went through several of the Psalms and found myself in Psalm 61. And I was very struck by what the psalmist says in verse 2, when he says, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. The fact is, you're going to have times in your life when you're overwhelmed. And if you're like most people this time of the year, you're probably already feeling overwhelmed. With all of the activity and busyness, all the money that we spend, all of the sickness that we incur. And, uh, you know, I'll confess to you, you know, I'm, I'm probably a little bit of a Grinch. And uh, some of that, no doubt, has to do with a lot of those things. It's just a very challenging, difficult time of year. You go to the hospital with folks that you don't know if they're going to make it through winter, and some of them you know won't make it through the next week. And everything just weighs heavy on you. And I know I'm not alone in that. I bet you or some of you at least have felt that very thing. And the Lord showed me three simple thoughts from this tonight. And what I want to do, I want to preach to those that may be feeling a little overwhelmed. And I want to show you these three things and encourage you about what to do when you feel overwhelmed. If somebody tells you the thing to do is never feel overwhelmed, they don't know what they're talking about. Because the fact is, everybody feels this way from time to time. And David himself felt this way on more than one occasion. And in this passage, in the first two verses, he reminds us that when we feel overwhelmed, we have a resource at our disposal. He begins by saying in verse 1, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. The resource we have when we are overwhelmed, first and foremost, is the resource of prayer. When we feel overwhelmed or discouraged or uh, we feel oppressed by the difficulty and challenges of life, when it seems like life comes in like a wrecking ball, the first thing we should do is stop then and there and begin to talk to the Lord about it. And you might say, preacher, I don't even know what I'd say to the Lord. Well, just do what David did and pour out your complaint unto him. I'm not saying you ought to shake your fist at him or blame him. Of course, we ought to have more sense than to do that. But hey, there's nothing wrong with just uh, having, for lack of a better term, a good old gripe fest with the Lord and saying, Lord, I just want to tell you some of the things that's troubling me. 
I want to tell you some of the things that's discouraging me, some of the things that frustrate me, some of the things in my life that I just don't understand. And I believe when the psalmist says, hear my cry, and by the way, there's a difference in those two words when he says cry and later on when he says prayer. Uh, the term prayer denotes an intelligent response, but the term cry, it's more guttural, it's more, it's more primal, it's more emotional. It's literally just to cry out either in joy or in pain. And I think when we're having a rough time, there's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, I just don't know what to do, throwing our hands up and crying out unto Him. And prayer is our resource in times like that. I want you to notice, number one, it's an effective resource. And I, and I was trying to figure out some way, you know, preachers like everything to be alliterated. And uh, that really, we just like the word alliterated. It's a fun word. It rolls off your tongue. and We look for excuses to use it. But uh, one of the things I like about prayer is prayer is always available. When you can't do anything else, you can pray. When you have no clue where to turn, no clue what to do, no clue what the right answer is, you can still pray. When you're too sick to change your circumstances, and listen, I, I, I trust everybody that's in the room here tonight as well, and, uh, I, but I don't trust it too much, so that's why I ain't hugging up on you. Um, but regardless, when we go through those seasons of illness and sickness and discouragement, when we can't do anything else, we can stop then and there and we can pray. And the psalmist says this. He says, hear my cry, O God. So in other words, he's acknowledging that God's going to hear, but then he notices that God's going to respond. He says, attend unto my prayer. That term, attend, it literally means to tend or to deal with or to address something. So when we cry out to God... This isn't just some sort of placebo effect. This isn't just a, an emotional exercise. But instead, this is imploring the God of glory, knowing good and well that He will hear and He will answer that prayer. So oftentimes when we talk about prayer, we speak of it as a last resort. We speak of it as some sort of just a, a, some a virtuous thing that we do to signal our piety. Uh, so many times people say, well, I'm sending prayers your way. And, and I, I, you know, listen, I, I try not to fuss with people about semantics and terminology because I know a lot of times they mean well. A lot of times they know more than their language and word choice would bespeak. But the reality is this. I don't need you to send prayers my way. I need you to send them God's way on my behalf. And God will hear and answer prayers. It's not just well-wishing. It's not just uh, sending good thoughts or whatever you want to call it. Uh, we ought to be praying. We ought to be seeking the Lord. Prayer is an effective resource. The reason we know that because this is what the psalmist does when he is overwhelmed. Now think about all the various things David could have done to try to change his circumstances. But before he does anything else, he stops and he prays. He does this because he can do it readily, but he also does this because he knows it's effective and he knows it will make a difference. It's an effective resource. But then I want you to notice it's an extensive resource. Verse number 2, he says, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. There is no place, geographically speaking, from which we cannot call unto God. But let me also say there is no place circumstantially from which we cannot cry out unto God. As God's child, doesn't matter how far we go, doesn't matter how deep we get in, doesn't matter how wrong things go, from the end of the earth, David says, I can cry and you'll hear me. There's no one in this room, but what if they'll pray and call out to God, He'll hear. Now, I understand that uh, we have to be living in accordance with God's Word in order to be uh, assured that He will uh, answer those things and give us favor and blessing. 
But I also understand this, that even when I'm messed up and even when I don't know what to do and even when my spirit isn't right, God still hears. He may not be able to answer to me the way that I want Him to answer. He may have to do some chastening and some pruning and some molding before He can ever uh, pour out that blessing upon my life. But one way or the other, because I'm His and because the eyes of the Lord are upon everyone and everything, He will hear. There's no place in my life I can get to but what I can get to God by prayer when I'm there. Now, we don't always feel that way. Prayer is a funny thing. We, we always think of prayer as being this very reciprocal relationship with God. Like prayer ain't worth nothing if we don't enjoy it or feel it or this, that, or the other. But that's not what the psalmist says. He doesn't say from the end of the earth I'll cry unto thee and you'll make me feel better. He says you'll hear. You'll hear. You'll attend unto my prayer. And so we understand, and you've heard me say this many times, but that prayer is a faith thing, not a feeling thing. He mentions our resource in verse 1 and the first part of verse 2. But then, once you notice the request that we should have, after we've spent a little time just pouring our heart out to God, what should we ask for? Well, there's two things the psalmist asks for, and I think they're pretty good things when we're overwhelmed to ask for. The first thing is we ought to ask to be uplifted by the Son of God. He says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I could do a lot of preaching from that right there. We could talk about the nature of the Son of God. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He's high and lofty. He's up above the earth. He's separate from sinners. We can do a lot of preaching about the position of Christ and His capability. But can I give you a very simple, practical thought? The Lord is never overwhelmed. So if I can get in fellowship with Him, then I have brought myself out of an overwhelmed position. You see, he's never overwhelmed, so if I can walk with him, I won't be overwhelmed. And let me describe it maybe a little simpler. When we connect and tie and forge our well-being to his personhood, then as long as he's all right, we know we'll be all right. Now, I've done a lot of thinking about this over the past couple days. And I'm more and more convinced that this is something we must resolve to do in our minds. In other words, this isn't just a simple commitment we make at an altar and then all of a sudden everything's better. We have to resolve in our minds that if we have committed our way unto the Lord, then it's truly the Lord that has control of our way. And therefore, no matter how we feel or no matter what the circumstances of life seem to be doing to us, we know everything will be all right because we've committed unto Him and we're following Him and He's in control of this thing and not us. We must have a resolve of mind to do this. We must make the decision. This involves our behavior, of course, because we can't say we're walking with God and not be walking with God and it mean anything. But if we are walking with God, let me even clarify what I mean by that, meaning that we have no known unrepented of sin in our life and that we are daily endeavoring and accomplishing the spending of time with Him both in prayer and in the reading of His Word and that we, inasmuch as we know, are living in obedience unto Him. If we're doing those things, then we have no reason to believe that the waters could overtake us any more than that the waters could overtake His throne. He is the rock that is higher than I. And if I can just get to Him, then I've gotten to a place that the waters can't overwhelm and can't rush over. If I can connect my well-being, and and I almost hate to use this term, but I'm going to use it because I think it's descriptive. Our frame of mind, if we can connect that to His omnipotent power, 
and understand that as we belong to Him and as we've yielded to Him, that we have, in effect, tethered ourselves to one that is invincible, the Ancient of Days, then that, that alone will give us peace. That and that alone will draw us out of the waters to be uplifted by the Son of God. But then I'd say we need to ask not only lead me, and by the way, let me say that, man, when we're overwhelmed, we need to be led. We, we don't know what we need to do for ourselves. So many people make big life decisions when they're at a low place. And that, man, I mean, they get everything messed up. When at those moments we shouldn't be saying, let me make some decisions, we should be saying, Lord, lead me. Lead me to that rock that is higher than I. I can't find it, but Lord, if you'll just place my hand upon Him, then I can grasp Him and I can cling to Him and I can walk close to Him. We could imagine, man, we could see the imagery here, can't we? Of a, of a person out in the midst of the sea that's uh, swimming and treading water and the waves are crashing over them and the undertow seeking to pull them and they're just trying to find something to grab onto so they don't get swept out into the middle of it. And they're just praying and begging with every grasp of the hand that they'll grab something solid. That's what David's saying. He's saying, Lord, take that hand as I grope for that which I cannot find and place it upon the Son of God and allow me to cling to Him. We need to be uplifted by the Son of God. Number two, we need to be upheld by the strength of God. We need to ask God to give us the strength we need for the things that we face. And I I see two things that he mentions here. Number one, during times of adversity, we need God's strength. He says, for thou hast been a shelter for me. Now listen, a shelter is not really all that important unless it's bad weather outside. We don't think a lot about it because we're blessed, man. I'd say there's nobody in this room that's going to go home and wonder where they're going to sleep or wonder if they're going to have a roof over their head. We're very, very blessed in that respect. And so the imagery, I think, sometimes just it just rings hollow to us. It's, it's, we are not as, as keen to it. Certainly for David, a man of war, a man that has spent many a night camped out under the stars and sleeping upon a battlefield, he says, Lord, You've been the one that has protected me from the storms about. When everything was going wrong, I found shelter in you. Now again, this ties back to that leading to that rock that is higher. But let me just remind you of this, that inasmuch as we place ourselves, and he talks about this later on, the covert of thy wings, like a mother hen places her wings over her chicks to cover them and shield them from the things around. If we can find ourselves in him, then whatever there is outside of us can't get to us. Now, I understand if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I understand that positionally speaking, we are in Christ from the moment that we receive Him as our Savior. But also understand there is a special sense in which we hide ourselves in Him. A special sense. You remember what Moses did whenever God passed by and God placed him in the cleft of the rock and placed His hand over him. And there he was shielded from everything. And there is a sense in which... We, through acknowledging and living in the power of the justified position we have in Christ, that the righteousness of Christ has been robed upon us, that we have been placed and settled and concreted into God's providence, we can recline in ease and rest and peace of mind. Listen, we don't, and this is a very simple statement, we don't get overwhelmed because of what's going on outside of us. Because there's been people been through a lot worse than you or I have ever been through. The reason we get overwhelmed is because of what we let within us. 
And so if we can place ourselves, our heart, our spirit, our frame of mind, if we can adjust it to recognize and acknowledge just how much God loves us, just what God has done for us, and the promises God has made us, then we'll find there that He is a shelter during the times of storm. Then let me give you a second thing here. Not only during the time of adversity, but during the torment of the adversary, we can find help. It's interesting what he says in verse number 3. He says, "...and a strong tower from the enemy." Now, I don't know if David was meaning to reflect the idea of Satan here. But it is interesting the way he says it in the singular. He doesn't say enemies. And David had a lot of enemies. <laughs> and I don't know if he's necessarily just speaking symbolically of the, of the general theoretical enemy, but I know this, that there's a particularly sweet application for our lives because though there may be a lot of folks that consider themselves the enemies of the cross, we understand as believers that there is one primary enemy in the sins of, of, of a singular entity that's walking about seeking whom he may devour, and he seeks to destroy our life, and he understands if we're saved that he can't send us to hell. So he wants to cripple and paralyze our testimony and our walk with Christ. He wants to try to prevent us from leaning on the Lord and growing in the Lord. He wants to prevent us from reading the Word of God and growing in scriptural truth. He wants to prevent us from praying because the devil believes more in prayer than the average Christian. And he knows if we pray, God's going to answer and our faith is going to grow. That's the reason he fights prayer the way that he does. And because of that, listen, during those times when the adversary is oppressing and assaulting our lives, what do we do, preacher? We pray and we ask God for His strength. Strength is not a... Attained. Spiritual strength is not attained through sheer force of the will. By the way, nor is spiritual strength attained through the common exercising of circumstances. Spiritual strength is attained only through the acknowledging and embracing of our weaknesses and the effectual leaning upon God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. In other words, this is the truth that God taught Paul when he said to him, Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. The greatest hindrance to God's strength is our strength. Let me say that again. The greatest hindrance to God's strength is our strength. Now, I believe you can look at the converse side of that. If God said, for when you, or if Paul said, for when I am weak, then am I strong. And if God said, my strength is made perfect in weakness, then I think the implication would be this that the weaker we get in ourselves, the stronger we get in God. Wouldn't that mean that the stronger we get in ourselves, the weaker we get in God? The fact is, self-reliance. Self-reliance is the enemy of spiritual strength. The, the pursuit of trying to just through sheer force and determination of the will to muscle through and to make it is not enough. And it's not just not enough, it works conversely with what God's trying to do in our lives. God is not trying to show you your strength. And that's why He's not making you strong in yourself. God's trying to show you your weakness so that you'll look past that and see His strength. And as such, during those times when the devil seeks to assault us and the devil seeks to destroy our lives, we need to not depend upon ourselves. We need to openly acknowledge and confess. I'm talking about, I'm talking about audibly in our prayer life. I think it's a good practice to confess our weakness to God audibly and it's pretty good because that way the devil can hear it too. Amen? I don't believe he can read our thoughts. Uh, the charismatics say that. The charismatics say he can, he can read our thoughts. That's why we got to speak in tongues. Amen? But I don't find anywhere in the Bible the devil can read. All right, I'm serious. That's what they believe. I don't find that anywhere in the Bible. That's extra-scriptural and it's anti-scriptural. 
but I, I do believe that it's good just to voice that. Man, I'm weak. Lord, I can't do it. Lord, I'm incapable. Lord, I know that I'm incapable. Uh, we were talking the other day, you know, sometimes we try to get ahead of God and learn the lesson before we've really learned the lesson. But I think it's a good thing to acknowledge and admit that. And once we do, once we acknowledge that, we begin to tap into the strength of God, which, by the way, is not physical strength, nor is it emotional or mental strength, though God has the capability through spiritual strength to supplement all those. We see that in the life of Samson. Hey, listen, it wasn't big bulging muscles that made Samson strong. It was the Spirit of the Lord. When the Spirit of the Lord was gone from him, he was weak. And that teaches us that the kind of strength that God gives, though it can touch the temporal, though it can touch physical, emotional, uh, psychological, mental, that's not what it is in its very substance. In its very substance, it's spiritual strength. And the only way we can tap into that spiritual strength is to acknowledge our spiritual weakness. And to say, Lord, I, I can't do it. I need You. And we do this, of course, through prayer. We see our request. And then finally, and I'll be done, I want you to notice our responsibility. Look at verse number 4. There's two things that he points out. One, he says, I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I want you to notice the faithfulness that we need. Now, let me tell you what a lot of us do. When things go bad, we get out. It's just the truth of it. And some of you might say, well, preacher, you know, you're the preacher. You're always here. Hey, just because I'm always up, up here doesn't mean that I'm always up here. I have the same ability as anybody else to be here and not be here. The only difference is you'll probably always see me here in the physical sense. But I have the same ability to check out spiritually and mentally and to just phone it in. Every preacher can. If you've been at it any amount of time, you know how to struggle and kick your way through a sermon if you need to. The fact is, it's true for me just like it's true for you. When we get overwhelmed, we have a tendency to disengage, to step back, to cover our head, to bury our head in the sand and say, I can't do this anymore. It's the worst possible thing we can do. David understands where his help's going to come from. He says, I will abide in my tabernacle forever. He says, I'm going to stay faithful to God. I'm going to be in the tabernacle because that's where God works. <laughs> that's where God moves. That, in his day, that was God's house. And it would have been very easy for him to say, I'm done, I'm, I'm checking out, it's just too much. And you better believe he was tempted. But he said, no, I've got to display faithfulness if I expect God to respond in his faithfulness and to change my situation. Most of us give up before God ever has a chance to show up. Most people do. Most people give up before God ever has a chance to show up. When things get tough... That's the very last time that you need to get out and quit on God, close your Bible, shut your prayer closet, quit attending the house of God. You need God more in that time than you ever do. You need your Bible more. You need the prayer closet more. You need fellow Christians more. You need the preach of the Word of God more. You need it more when you're overwhelmed, not less. So David acknowledges that. He says, listen, I, I need to stay where God's speaking and moving. And then finally, and I'm done, not only the faithfulness we need, but the faith that we need. He says, I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. When we talk about faith, we're not talking about something that is hypothetical or abstract. Faith is the effectual trust in the promise of God. That's what faith is. Faith is the uh, result, we might say, of hope being present in our hearts. They correlate one with the other. And the psalmist says, when I'm discouraged, 
And I can't hope in anything else. I know I can hope and have faith in and trust God. So many things in life will let you down. So many people in life will hurt you. So many people in life will betray you. But God never will. Never will. One of the things that I would have never fathomed when I started to pastor is how deeply it would hurt sometimes. And I'll just be honest with you, had I known that, I don't know that who I was when I first started would have done it. Now, I know as I stand here tonight, it's worth everything. And so I don't want you to get nervous, amen. Or excited, yeah. But, it is a fact of the matter. You just that's one thing they they don't prepare you for when you talk to other preachers. I don't think I don't I never went to Bible college, so I don't know, but I don't imagine they teach a class on it in Bible college. But the truth is you hurt deeply sometimes. It's shocking the things people do. But that's true in your life too, whether you're involved deeply in ministry or not. If you live for God, people are sometimes going to hurt you. And I don't know that it's that you're I don't know that it's that they hurt you more than they hurt other people. I think it's just when you live for God, you open your heart up more than you would were it to be just a casual interaction. And as such, during those times, you're going to learn people let you down. People mess up. People do the wrong thing. You're going to find times in life where you feel as though you can't trust in anything, including yourself. And in those times, we need to be reminded that God has never let us down. God has never walked away. God has never hurt us. And that if there's anybody that's undeserving of our trust, it's certainly not God. He deserves our faith. He deserves our trust. There's something to be said for not giving up. There's something to be said. I'm talking about in our spirit now. I'm not talking about just just physically or with our life decisions. I'm talking about in our spirit. There's something to be said for keeping ourselves vulnerable and committing our way unto the Lord. There's something to be said when we're overwhelmed for not just letting ourselves sink, because some people do it. I believe that during those times we have a good resource, and that resource is prayer. Everybody in this room can pray to God. If you know know Christ as your Savior, you've got an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. You have a high priest, and as such you can come boldly before the throne room of grace. Our request ought to be to get closer to Jesus, to be uplifted, to be led to the rock that's higher than I, and for God to give us strength. And our responsibility is to keep serving Him and keep trusting Him. Even when it's difficult, even when it seems that it's not changing things. Because the truth is, the man that gives up, he doesn't cease to be overwhelmed, he just drowns. So don't give up. Keep living for the Lord. Pray. Seek the Lord. Look for His strength. Let's pray together.